Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, amateur hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a... Amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour. Is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour. Is what's happening. Do you remember? In September, that's when Amateur Hour first began. Just two friends talking about the Chiefs. The team was awful, a lot's changed since 11 years ago. Now we have Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, and oh yeah, we want a Super Bowl. You're welcome. It's almost time! folks. The show's called Amateur Hour. I am Ryan Scott Hall and joining me today, a real uh, super guy. Slappy Samsonite. It's his darkness. (laughs) Oh, that was it. It Super Bowl, baby! Yeah, there it is. There it is. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Amateur Hour Super Bowl Spectacular Volume Three. Volume loud. People are gonna they're gonna be like, did they did they pause here? And then it's just gonna be screaming right in their ears. <laughs> uh so so Dirk, uh third time in four years somehow, uh we are trying to preview a Super Bowl. You said the last time that we did this. It was two and a half hours long, uh, and the Chiefs lost, so that sucks. So we'll go uh, shorter than that. Shorter than that today. Okay. Well, you know, and, I and think... Boy, were we some arrogant motherfuckers heading oh, into that game. Walking into the Tampa game? Really? Yeah. You should have heard the pod. We were. Uh, we didn't think there was a chance we'd lose. I mean, we didn't even... I mean, I hardly got to the game preview, I guess, but, you know, coming off a 14-1 season off a of Super Bowl, deservedly so, but we were just... Basically discussing how great we were. We were we were basically the golden state of NFL. It was kind of a boring season because we were winning too much. Oh interesting time. interesting time to be alive. Well, I I it's I love that you're saying that because you know, I've talked to a couple people, little, little, little friend group, talking to folks about the game. And I tell you what. Dark, I think Chiefs fans are feeling pretty arrogant right now, too. Uh, I feel like I've been hearing all week. I just don't see how the Chiefs lose this game. I just don't, I just don't see it. Um, you know, they're they got the better coach, they got the better quarterback. Um, lot of lot of confidence 
uh, around, you know, Kansas City, the, the football team, at least. And I mean, look, rightfully so. But can I can I just confess that I now that we're here, like I obviously want to win, but I'm so satisfied with this season already that I don't know like how tough it would be to swallow losing this game. Um, and and I don't think that I carry the same level of confidence as everybody else on on your like like your confidence meter, you know, whatever one one to to 10 or 1 to 15. Um, 1 to 69. Well, how, how, how are you feeling? Just, just like general sense, top level stuff. How, how, what, what do you think? How are you feeling? What's going on? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident. I'm feeling pretty confident. Uh, looking into the Eagles, it's an interesting team. Um, I, I really, I think they compare pretty similarly to the 49ers of the 2019 season. Um, mostly that like they just have like an elite roster kind of two through 53 uh the, i would say the quarterbacks the question mark um especially if you throw in the injury that's kind of looming for jalen hurts that no one really seems to be discussing but should be i mean it's a huge factor uh it hasn't looked great since coming off that it hasn't had to do much um but elite roster you know great pass rush great o-line great run game uh you have the addition of the quarterback with the ability to run um both of them coming off just a walkover nfc championship game um i i I think it compares pretty similarly to to that season that team and most people see as a toss-up as they saw that game uh and as the game played out as a true toss-up um so it'll be interesting i I guess one big difference would be the chiefs now have experience whereas in that game neither team had experience um so that might be a factor there especially early in the game while nerves are going um, but I am feeling, um, I would say pretty, pretty damn confident, pretty damn confident. So let, let, let's start here. This is where I think most people want to start. It's the Kansas city chiefs offense. And I, I gotta be honest, man. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely worried right now about the chiefs ability to score. Um, you know, the, the game against Cincinnati, I understand the Chiefs are the number one offense in the NFL, um, but a, a limited Mahomes coupled with receivers just dropping like flies, uh, they, it took everything that they had. We talked about all the contributors and all the things that everybody had to do in order to, to cobble together 23 points. And, hey, the, the Bengals are tough, you know. I look at this Philadelphia defense in their ranks, number one against the pass, largely on the backs of 70 sacks so far this year. The, the third um, most sacks of all time. In a single season? In a single season. But it includes playoffs, right? The 70 nah, is playoffs, I think. No, nah, they keep showing that. Uh, I don't have the number here, but I have the third most sacks in the regular season of all time. Um, I just... I don't know, man. I think there's a lot of bad matchups out there for the Chiefs, uh, particularly receivers against the secondary, regardless of how long any of those guys are on the field or how healthy they are. Um, Obviously, most teams in the league facing the same issue that the Eagles are. How do you cover Travis Kelsey? We don't have anybody that can do it. Um, They've got sort of some weakness historically this season against the run. 
I think that they've technically gotten better since they added Sue and Linval Joseph to the mix, but I just, I, there's no way that the Chiefs are going to be at 100% healthy going into this game. Uh, so, so are you worried because of the health? I mean, some of it is that, but like... I mean, that's clearly the reason they couldn't score down the stretch of that game. I mean, the first half, they were moving the ball well, and then three receivers go out, and yeah. uh, Mahomes re-injures the ankle. You would think the ankle would be better as long as he doesn't re-aggravate it again, which is it's on the table for sure. Um, but are you just concerned about the receivers as in, or are you concerned like even if they're at full health going against this defense? Oh, I think even if they're at full health going against this defense, I, I just think the field is it's full of bad matchups for the chiefs for that chiefs offense. Um, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the ultimate equalizer of any disadvantage. Um, if not just completely swinging the scales to not be equal, but to be in favor of the chiefs, but man, like, name a receiver on the team that's going to get open. Like, like tell me someone other than Travis Kelsey that's going to get open against those corners. Man, we, we took my answer. I mean, uh, and look, Travis Travis is, it can be a huge, I mean, they're calling it the Kelsey Bowl because of he and his brother. And, and like, I think that those guys should hopefully be center stage for both of their teams. Um, I, I think it's a really, really cool story. And we can maybe talk about their parents and some of that stuff. Um, I, I heard that their podcast was brilliant. Uh, people Whoa. absolutely loved it. Uh, I always forget to listen to it. I always, dad. I, I always play the clips that oh, that are on Twitter, and I always forget to listen to like the full pot. It's just like not in my rotation, uh, but I definitely want to check it out this week. Okay, so you got some good concerns. Let me let me start off with some weaknesses on this Eagle defense because yeah, that that would be helpful. Okay, how about uh? Then where the hell to go? Oh, oh, wait, they don't have any? Is that what you're telling me? I thought they were weak against against tight ends, but they're actually not. They're fourth against tight ends. Here's where they are weak. They're 24th in DVOA against receiving running backs. So that might be a play there. Um, I I do think, I want to say this is going to be a strong Andy Reid game plan type of game. Um, I see that stat against receiving running backs. I think screen game, screen game, screen game, over and over. Not only because they're weak against it, but it also slows down that pass rush. Andy loves to draw them up. The Chiefs are good at it. Screen game all fucking day. Uh, how about their run defense? You you danced around it. 24th in yards per attempt allowed with their run defense. So some holes there to be had. Um, so we'll, Chiefs could, could use some running there. Uh, how about 28th against QB scrambles? So the chance for it, Mahomes, if the ankle's there, which, I don't know, after all this time, I, I don't know, I was a little concerned about re-aggravating, but you get the week off. I think that helps a lot. He seems more confident in it. Um, but it is kind of tough to sell because the Chiefs aren't always forthcoming about their injury reports. You know, I, Mahomes wasn't even on the injury report going in the last game. Uh, neither was Jarek McKinnon, uh, our boy Jerk, who doesn't quite seem fully healthy. At least he's not producing at the same level that he was uh before whenever he got hurt i'm not sure when that was i mean he was tearing it up and now he's kind of slowed down um yeah so so a few weaknesses there and then to combat their sack rate so a crazy stat here but eagles sack rate um the difference between them at first and the patriots at second and this is just a percentage of sacks per pass attempt essentially or, or dropbacks i guess it would be uh the difference between the eagles at first and the patriots at second is the same as between New England at second and since 
29th. So, holy shit. Like, what a fucking pass rush. But, Mahomes, third lowest sack rate in the NFL. Mahomes, his pressure to sack rate. So, this is when they get pressure to actually him getting sacked is the best in the NFL. So, basically, Mahomes is the best at escaping pressure and either throwing the ball away or, or making it happen kind of thing. And... I mean, it kind of has hints of what the best pass rush we saw this season was the 49ers, and Andy just game-planned right around it. He ran circles around Nick Bosa and frustrated him. Now, this is a little different because I think the the whole defensive line is probably stacked a little more than the 49ers, who was mostly just Nick Bosa. But Andy does have experience at this and a full two weeks now to combat this dominant pass rush. And he's he has first-hand experience of a pass rush ruining a Super Bowl. Like, I mean, you can say a lot of things about that that Chiefs-Buccaneers Super Bowl, um, but I I don't think Andy did a good job of preparing his team for handling that type of pass rush with the type of offensive line they had. Uh, no matter, I mean, plenty of blame to go around for how bad it went, but you can't say Andy did a good job in that department. You've got to think he's going to be more prepared for that this time. I mean, look, Andy's really shown uh, at, at different times throughout the year against multiple opponents, especially ones that have on paper a fearsome pass rush, that that he's a genius. Um, slowing down teams like the Chargers and the Raiders and the Broncos, um, slowing down teams like San Francisco, um, that all these teams, they've got big time pass rushers and like Andy just schemes it up in a way that well uh sometimes you're going to get a double team sometimes you're going to get hit by the tight end sometimes it's going to be a running back uh sometimes we're going to try to force you inside sometimes we're going to try to force you outside we're going to run at you we're going to run away from you we're going to run screens at you I mean after that game against the Niners Nick Bosa kind of famously at least in Kansas City was like I he just put me in a blender like, there's nothing that I could do. I couldn't find my way into the game. They threw so much stuff at me that it was really frustrating. And knowing that that Andy, being Andy, will be able to probably do some things to counter the pass rush. The screen game is a, is a smart point, um, especially in terms over and over. of how over and over. it can mess with that pass rush and, and throw off their timing, make them kind of second-guess things, be less aggressive. Um, I mean, look, that's great. It is. Um, and and ultimately, yeah, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy against Jonathan Gannon, uh, I think we're going to be okay here, right? And I mean, I could say the same thing about Steve Spagnolo against Nick Sirianni and, and Shane Steichen. Like, the, these guys, th- this coaching staff in Kansas City, folks, the experience is... It's overwhelming compared to most of the other teams in the league, and especially this staff in Philly. None of these guys have done it before. And so, I mean, I can see that as a huge advantage in favor of the Chiefs. And probably the thing that would just make me tell you, the Chiefs are going to win. But when it comes to like what it actually looks like, how the game goes, what the score is going to be, I, I, I'm telling you, man, and especially on offense, like I think that it's gonna take all night long in order to actually pull this game off. It's not gonna be a game that's over early. Um, and I, I'm not sure that many people expect that, but like, 
I've heard people say blowout potential here, and I'm just like, man, I mean, if the Eagles' offense implodes, maybe. But I think it's going to be a tight and kind of low-scoring game is is what I'm expecting. I, I really think that the Chiefs are going to struggle to score. I really do. I think a blowout is on the table mostly because the Eagles' offense is very used to playing from ahead. Um, they love to run the ball. And they want to they want to grind their way down the field, you know, run Hurts, and not not for big plays here. Not Lamar tearing it up. This is Jalen Hurts, you know, four and five yards at a time. He's just another running back back there, essentially. Um, but you get down fourteen nothing. They're they haven't played a lot of games like that this year, and that offense doesn't do well when you're playing from behind. Uh, so I do think the potential is there, but it would have to be uh, you know like a Chiefs jumping on them early kind of thing. Um, a little a little more reason for confidence against the Eagles defense. I'm sure everybody has known by now the quarterbacks they faced this year, not impressive. The actual quarterbacks they have faced, Jared Goff scored 35. Kirk Cousins scored seven. Did a good job on him. I'll include him. I'll include him. If we're throwing Rodgers in there, I'm throwing Kirk in there. All right. Tyler Lawrence scored 21. Trevor Lawrence. Shout out to Tyler Lawrence. Shot Mission West's grad and KU grad. Uh, that was in the rain, of course. Uh, Rodgers put up 33, uh, and Dak put up 40. So they have all these stats. They're playing from ahead, which which leads to sacks. Um, but they're not doing it against the best of competition. Um, and so I know, I mean, most of the good quarterbacks from the AFC, so it's not like you can't say they can't do it. It's just that they haven't really done it. Or when they have done it against these some of these guys, you know, Jared Goff putting up 35 points. That happened. Dak Prescott putting up 40 points on this defense. 40. I mean, if, if Mahomes is putting up 40 points, the Chiefs are winning this game. Um, so I, I think there is something there with the lack of uh, quality quarterbacks they've played and the, some of the success that those guys have found. One of the things that, that really tilts this game – um, in the Chiefs' favor, and, and this happens routinely. Um, but I, I think that when I when I look at like Andy Reid's ability to to put together a game script, um, and particularly in big games, um, I mean they're they're going to have at least a couple unscouted looks. Like they're going to do things that they've never done before, and. If I've ever heard, like, there's enough uh, national guys that are Philly fans uh, that have just kind of landed in my regular rotation that I know that Jonathan Gannon, as far as they're concerned, is a problem. He they, they didn't want the Eagles to retain him coming into this season. Um, and they've just got so much talent on that side of the ball that he's been able to make it work. And, and as you said, that I believe the statistic is that they have the like weakest strength of schedule of any Super Bowl team in in a very long time if not ever well it's, so it's the easiest schedule in the NFL this year per DVOA um <clears throat> I did say it's, it's one of the weakest I don't think it was the weakest schedule of all time uh but that doesn't include the playoffs that they faced I mean to play Daniel Jones and mostly Josh Johnson on your way to a Super Bowl is is just laughable i mean that's it's probably the easiest path to the super bowl i've ever seen once you're taking once you're counting that you're playing the only true competitor they really had in the nfc it turns out it was down to their fourth quarterback on the season so it's just kind of 
man, they haven't they haven't faced anybody. Like they're just walking their way into the Super Bowl. And if you're telling me that's they're just gonna come up against the the league's best against an all time great, um, and and they're just gonna keep rolling, I don't see it. I don't see. I mean, I think that's fair. And and I mean, just for context sake, um, I mean, gosh, it was as early as like week four or something, I think maybe week six when Simmons and cousin Sal were talking about the Eagles going undefeated because they were looking at the schedule and saying like, they're not going to play an opponent that can even slow them down until like week 11, week 12, the first time they play the Cowboys. I mean, it, it was cupcake after cup. And then they, and then they played the Cowboys with Cooper Rush at quarterback. And so, I, I mean, I look at that Eagles team, and and yeah, they're certainly not battle tested. One of, one of the crazy things about you know this this group that the Chiefs have put together, uh, that Brett Veach and Andy Reid have assembled, they feel like so experienced because of Mahomes' greatness. Essentially, I mean, he's the guy that has brought this team to these now three Super Bowls and yet they're still like one of the five youngest teams in the league you know like they're they're simultaneously the the biggest threat and and becoming at this point Mahomes was literally the oldest and most experienced quarterback in the AFC playoffs this year and like and it's and it's still the youngest quarterback Super Bowl matchup of all time which kind of shocked me uh but even being the oldest quarterback coming out of the AFC it's still the youngest quarterback matchup in the Super Bowl. It's crazy. I mean, there's 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 a lot there in terms of not just the present, but obviously, uh, you know, the, the future for the Chiefs that that can make you feel really optimistic, really confident. And normally, I am. Um, for some reason, though, I mean, when I look at it, if if we if not that we need to be done talking about the offense, but something else that just really scares me about playing this Eagles team is that. A, a team like that that runs the ball like that, having a mobile quarterback and stuff, they're just hard to defend, man. They make it hard on you. It's unorthodox. It's not what most teams are doing. There's only a few of them out there. And that's not to say that Spags can't cook something up for pretty much any team. Um, and I've got some stats on Jalen Hurts that that might open some eyes, but I just know that it's going to be wonky, man. They're they're tough to defend. They're really going to probably stick to the run, and when they decide to pass the ball, got some pretty excellent weapons out there. Well, so let's not switch over yet, but one thing that can do is make this a possession type of game, which we talked about with the with the Bengals. Yeah. What you want to do against the Chiefs is really limit the number of possessions they got, and the Eagles are built to do that. I mean, they are built to run the ball, run the clock, and and keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. Um, let's talk about Mahomes though. Got to talk about Mahomes because there is one thing missing on his resume right now, and that's a great Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes does not have a great Super Bowl. He has a Super Bowl MVP, but in terms of you know statistics and probably by eye test as well, his worst two playoff games of his career are both in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, he, he struggled for three quarters against the 49ers, obviously turned it on in the fourth quarter and, and wins the game and wins the MVP. That's awesome. Against the Bucks, a lot of debate. I think 
Chief Sands might overrate the performance a little bit. I mean, he obviously made some heroic, incredible plays running around. Um, and people dropped some passes. But, you know, nine points, you know, I don't – for Mahomes, that's probably the – well, it'll be the second lowest he's ever scored because I think he scored three against Tennessee. So that was – I mean, it's hard to say he played great in that game. I think he made he made some great plays, but I don't think he played great in that game. So the worst two – Playoff games on his in his career are both Super Bowls, and he knows this. He knows this. He's I I keep retweeting that I've seen it multiple times now. Rex Grossman has a higher quarterback rating in the Super Bowl than Patrick Mahomes. I'm just gonna keep retweeting every time I see it. I'm gonna retweet it and just hopes of, of Patrick Mahomes catching light of this. That's that's all that's all I'm hoping for. Um, so just I I I think he knows this. I think he's prepared, and I think he's. He's ready to explode in this game. He's ready to overcome really, I mean, really his last demon. I mean, he had kind of this demon where he played the worst game or the worst half of his career. He overcomes it by beating the Bengals in the exact same spot against the toughest of circumstances. Now I think there's one more thing hanging there for him to do. And that's just come out and have a Mahomes type game, which we're used to, but do it on the, the biggest stage. And I think everything's here for it. Here's here's a couple of weird stats uh, while I'm waxing poetic on Mahomes. NFL MVPs have lost eight straight Super Bowls. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? Goes back to Kurt Warner. How about this? Even fucking weirder. This is bizarre. No quarterback has ever led the NFL in passing yards and won a Super Bowl. None. It goes back to Johnny Unitas in 1959 was the last NFL leader in passing yards to win the Super Bowl. Hmm. That's, that's mind-blowing. Um, it kind of goes to that graphic. Remember uh, a few years ago, we had I had the um, top offenses in NFL history, and it's like the top – it was like – I did like the top 15 or something, and 13 or 14 of them didn't win the Super Bowl. It just kind of always falls apart in the playoffs – um, I think that was before 2019. I think it was kind of in research in that playoff run, just like what happens to these top offenses and why they fall off. Uh, maybe even back to 2018. Um, but it's just a weird stat that, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of where the old adage, you know, defense wins championships and, you know, a, a good defense beats a good offense, uh, which is really more of a 1980s and 1990s thing, I would say, than a 2020s thing. Uh, but just some things, just some weird stats that I saw hanging out there uh, for more things for Mahomes to break on Sunday. Hmm. I mean, I I I want to uh, I want to be able to envision it. Um. L- let me say this: I I say there's bad matchups, and I haven't I haven't really expounded. Uh, for those of you paying attention at home, uh, real strength of the Eagles, uh is the combination of the pass rush and the set of corners that they have. Um, one of which is listed as a safety. Um, and I still have no idea how they were able to trade for him from new Orleans for basically nothing. Uh, but Chauncey Gardner Johnson, uh, playing in the slot almost exclusively, arguably the best slot defender in the league. Um, one of the best shit talkers in the league by far. Uh, yeah, didn't he get the fight with the same dude repeatedly, or just had the Bears dude hit him a couple times? Uh, that might be right, but there I was mean, something weird about that fight. He's he's the one that 
called Michael Thomas slant boy. And, and like, I mean, he, uh, Oh yeah. Like Chauncey Gardner Johnson is amazing. And that was, his, that was his teammate that he was saying that to, um, you've got him and Darius Slay and James Bradbury all roaming that secondary. And, and look to me, um, because of who the chiefs receivers are and we like them, you know, we like them for, for who they are. Uh, I think that, the Eagles could throw any of the three of those guys on Travis Kelsey, safety help, add a linebacker, whatever, um, and make it a really long day for him. And I don't think that Juju is at a level of health or just rhythm right now that he's going to be getting open consistently against these quality corners. Um, there's a possibility that MVS can can do some things. He certainly stepped up last week. And his speed and his size, I mean, this is why he's such a tantalizing talent is because of all the measurables. And yet, you know, he'll drop the ball or he won't quite get open or Mahomes mis- missed him some, some too. They still haven't really found each other just yet. Um, oh, they found I, each other. They found each other last week. A little bit, yeah. A uh, little bit. I don't, I don't know what to think about Tony. Um, I mean, it seems like, he hardly can stay on the field for a full game. And then we're talking about guys like Sky Moore and Justin Watson. Like, I just, I like our receivers, but I like Philly's corners much, much better, even when you include somebody like Travis Kelsey. And that's where, when you mention the running backs, I mean, I, I think that Kelsey and the running backs should probably be the focal point of the offense. Uh, but where I start to get worried a little bit, even despite those numbers about the Eagles run defense, I mean, I'll actually quote who I saw doing this. Uh, <laughs> uh, not just some guy. Oh, come I, on. I, <laughs> come on. What are we getting fancy this week? Yeah, no, I just, I, I just want to give people some credit. And I remember because I saw it right before we started. Uh, but Ron Cop talking about the old. Uh, Ron talking about the Chiefs running offense, and it's like they're averaging 3.8 yards a carry. It was only like two and a half, I think, on first and 10. Um, I mean, guys, it's not good in the playoffs. Um, they It's 37 carries for like 150 yards or something, and obviously most of that coming against the Jags, um, and really most of it coming on a 38-yard run by Pacheco. I think that outside of that 38-yarder, they're averaging like, two and a half yards of carry overall on every other run. Uh, so it's, it's, it hasn't been looking good. It's not to say it can't or it won't, uh, but I don't see the Kansas City Chiefs receivers making a big impact in this game unless we're talking about running backs catching the ball and Travis Kelsey. And even Kelsey might have a slower day than we want. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree, um, which I, I think it's why – I think they'll see the Chiefs live in two tight ends and three tight ends because mm-hmm. they don't have an advantage when you're going receivers to corners. Right. And their oh. linebackers are bad. I mean, the the most heralded linebacker for Philly is a rookie. Um, and I don't know that Nicobe Dean has like had a great year. Uh, but the the linebackers and the safeties are definitely, I would say, the weakness on this team. Um, so if the Chiefs can exploit the middle of the field, that's great. But the problem with trying to attack the safeties is that it means that you have to pass protect um you got to get some time there and they've just got so many guys that can come at you it might be a tough day yes nicobe dean's not really playing 
Um, TJ Edwards, uh, PFF really likes him, apparently. Okay. Um, and Kaiser White, they PFF likes their linebackers. Oh, um, yeah. it does. It says their safe their weakness would be at safety with a dude named Epps. Yeah. Um, yet they have him as the lowest graded guy on the defense that's playing regularly, kind of thing. Um, but I think you you live in a big personnel. I think you're using the running game. I think you're using Travis Kelsey. You're even using Noah Gray and maybe Blake Bell a little in the passing game. You're throwing to the running backs. And then I think, I do think our boy Rigatoni, I think he's a big key in this game. Um, because, you know, you're using all those big boys. You're not really getting, you know, chunk plays kind of thing. So if you can get some short plays going to Kadarius Tony and have him break some tackles, that might be how you might pick up some chunk plays along the way. Uh, so I think his health is a big concern, especially with McCall Hartman out. Um, I think most Chiefs fans know by now that you you want one of those guys to do what the Chiefs want to do in the red zone. Um, so when both those guys are out, that's when you saw the Chiefs struggles in the red zone pop up big time. But as long as they had one, they're doing all this misdirection stuff. And the red zone offense has been on fire, uh, you know, down, down the stretch of the season. Uh, it was something like 82% of their red zone possessions in the touchdowns lately, which is a very high number. Uh, but I do think Rigatoni's health is a big concern. You know, even if he is healthy going into it, because he's definitely said he's going to play in this game, you're obviously always concerned about him getting re-injured. I mean, I'm sure this will be an ongoing theme for the rest of Rigatoni's career in Kansas. I mean, he's fucking made of noodles. He's a fucking plate of spaghetti. How are you not supposed to break a noodle every, every now and then? Um, so I do think that's a big, big key, but I, I, I could definitely see them living in these big sets. And also with those big sets, getting tight ends on the outside, you got, you got chips to help out on that defensive line. Uh, because you kind of touched on the corners, this defensive line, my God, my God, man, I I can't believe how deep they are. Um, at edge, they got Brandon Graham, they got Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat, three really good players. Um, I think all Three of those dudes are over 10 sacks this year. And then they traded for Robert Quinn, who is one of the worst players on Pro Football Focus and probably isn't hardly even playing. Uh, he's just kind of sitting on the bench. He's averaging uh, about 25% of the snaps each week. His tops in any game since he got traded was 31% of the snaps. He's just I mean, in the field. Yeah, I mean, he's an older dude. I think he just fell off the cliff. It was kind of a guy that Chiefs fans were kind of looking at trading for at the deadline kind of thing. And then the inside... Uh, you got Javon Hargrave, who is a monster. Um, you know, a lot of people know Fletcher Cox. Uh, apparently, Fletcher Cox has fallen off a little bit. Uh, he's a little bit older at this point, but Javon Hargrave. Sacks, falling off. Defensive tackle with almost double-digit sacks. And he, but he's not even on, like, their front line of, like, their best defensive line now. He's, he's like, on the second line. That, that's how deep this goes. So they got Javon Hargrave, who's a monster. You got Fletcher Cox, who was incredible. I mean, he was like a Chris Jones equivalent. He was always kind of in the running with Chris Jones for second best D tackle in the NFL behind Aaron Donald. Um, and then you got, you know, the, the mercenaries that are coming in. You got Sue and you got Linval Joseph. And then you got their rookie, jo is it Jordan Davis? Jordan Davis from Georgia, who's like 300 and 400 and 550 pounds or something. He's like Andre the Giants in there. Uh, I'm not sure if he's playing too much, but I mean, I'm just trying to give an idea of the depth on this defensive line because it is not just one or two guys. It is one or two lines. I mean, they, they can do fucking hockey line changes out there and still bring it. Um, so that, I mean, that's obviously the key here. Uh, I mean, a key player here, Orlando Brown, you know, last week 
Who needed to step up? Chris Jones. We needed to get pressure on Burrow. You haven't had a playoff sack. Go out, earn your flowers. And he did it. This week, what do the Eagles got? A D-line for the ages. We need a man who says he should be the highest paid left tackle in the NFL. This is your time to prove it. This is your time. Like, you know, you, you want this new contract? A lot of Chiefs fans are not crazy about giving it to you. Here's your chance to prove it on the biggest stage going against the league's best offensive line. I mean, you're going to have help, but Orlando Brown needs to step up and anchor this offensive line and against those edge rushers to, on Sunday. The scary part is that, especially with a guy like Reddick, um, who is undersized, very quick, still has sneaky power. Um, he's a he's a nightmare. For and he wears seven and Brown. He he looks like Mike Vick rushing around the edge. It's it's weird. And that Eagles you got an Eagles uniform. It's like holy shit, that guy's quick. Is that Mike Vick? Where did he get picked up his pass rush rooms? Well, and and I mean, if you guys don't remember, Hassan Reddick played at Temple, um, and he played kind of all around the defense. And some people were thinking he's going to be an off-ball linebacker. Some thinking he's going to be a pass rusher. And he he was a a big target. Uh, at least for you know Chiefs draft people, uh, because just always needing pass rush, and he ends up in Arizona, and they can't seem to figure him out, and he ends up he played a great year in Carolina, and now he's in Philly where Temple is, and he's essentially back home in a sense. Um, and I believe he had nineteen and a half this year, maybe eighteen and a half. Um, lots, lots of sacks for Hassan Reddick. Sixteen. Uh, okay, so I'm thinking I'm adding playoff numbers in there then. That could be. Um, but, I mean, look, he's he's exceptional. Um, and the exact type of player that has given Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley fits all year long. And, look, I mean, I, I heard... Depending on which metric you look at. Yeah. I heard more than once that MVS earned his whole contract last week. He's just, just like another Sammy Watkins. You show up when it matters and, and it's all gravy and who cares how much we pay you money. Um, I don't know that that can be on the table for Orlando Brown. Like, oh, you had a good Super Bowl. You were, you were finally very good in a very important game. And so now we're willing to pay you $25 million a year. Um, I don't, I don't know that I see that so much. And, and I did, however, see a comment from you that I think is worth mentioning that Orlando Brown is the new Garrick Dieter. And, and look, folks, I mean, if, if you, plain as day. if you listen to a lot of, of talk about the chiefs, you undoubtedly heard how Orlando Brown being a part of Pat's wedding had some huge impact on the, the negotiations for his contract. It was also the fact that he, you know, wasn't hiring an agent and whatever, but he was like, I'm not even focused on hiring an agent right now because I am Patrick's best friend and I <laughs> am in his wedding and I must be there. And like, I don't, I mean, look, every time it's strategy it's smart, every time, that Orlando Brown is in front of the microphone. I absolutely love him. He sounds so smart, so thoughtful. He's like a, he just seems like a really good dude. And, and he's about his business. I just don't know how good he is. 
and and so it's like he's he is doing the thing that you said is is smart like orlando brown is endearing himself to the most important player on the roster and the guy who it's his job to protect um and and he's just trying to, it's like he's trying to do everything right but the results on the field just aren't quite there and i mean look we might have said the same thing about like alex smith at times and and or, or eric fisher right but like i just i don't i don't i don't know i don't know what to what to think of orlando brown and the fact that after two seasons it's still just so much of a question mark that that might you know speak volumes um but you're absolutely right i mean if if i'm circling somebody um that need like you have to have a good day or we probably can't pull this off um Orlando Brown is a heck of a choice coming off of Chris Jones uh, from the AFC Championship. Don't disagree there. Yeah, and oh, he did. I mean, I'm, I'm very up and down on Orlando Brown, uh, but he did his job last week, uh, and he's had a lot of problems against the Bengals in the past, as we know, as we've discussed at length after that regular season game. But he did his job last week against a couple smart pass rushers who have given him fits lately. So coming off a good game, um, I actually, I, I I heard Mina. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, I heard Mina saying that Orlando Brown was basically very good in the AFC Championship, except for the snaps when he went against Osai. Osai beat him up, but Hendrickson and Hubbard didn't really do much uh, with Orlando Brown for for basically the majority of the game. Um, and so, you know, he he may struggle in certain matchups and because the Eagles have so many different bodies to throw at him, they'll have one guy that's doing well. Um, but I mean, you know how it is. It's it's kind of like if you're playing corner, you you're out there on an island. And if your name is being called, then it's it's not good. <laughs> we don't we don't want to hear your name. Isn't it, it kind of weird that all three Chiefs Super Bowls now have been like against the NFL's best defensive line? Like it's, it's it's like the path to the Super Bowl is either like, you know, have a top three quarterback or have the top three defensive line. Like you either need to have the quarterback or have the ability to stop the quarterback. Mm. And yet, you know, the 49ers, the Bucks um, and the Eagles this year, I think you could easily argue that each had the best defensive line that season. Uh, So it's kind of interesting just how those matchups have shaped out. So if, if we had to like declare, you know, here's here's the guy that isn't named, you know, Pat Mahomes or Travis Kelsey. You you talked a little bit about Tony. You talked a little bit about McKinnon. Like, who's the guy? You know, maybe you're you're looking at some of the uh, the prop bets or something. I also I saw that there were going to be like sixteen billion dollars in wagers placed on the Super Bowl. Uh, oh, yeah, that's... I can't imagine with legalized gambling everywhere now. I can't even yeah. imagine. I I will refrain. Uh, I don't. I don't want any money anywhere tied into while a Chiefs Super Bowl is going on. I need 100% focus on the game personally. Right. I'm just uh, thinking like an X factor, right? Like like who's who's that guy that isn't the week in and week out key contributor that's that's going to do their thing against well, the I mean, I think I kind of mentioned Tony, but I'll also go Pacheco because I do think um, the Chiefs need to get the running game going on this game. Like I don't think, what was it, 15 carries for 27 yards against the Bengals from the running backs – I don't think that's going to get it done in a game like this. Mm. Um, so I do think Pacheco against what's probably a weaker run defense. I don't know the Bengals run defense stats off the top of my head, but I think this is a weaker run defense, at least weak in terms of yards per attempt. 
I, I think Pacheco needs to earn his keep. Uh, and he wasn't bad last week or anything, uh, but they need to figure out a way. And I, I still think they went to that shotgun outside zone play too much, and it was unsuccessful every single time. Um, so I, I do think you're lining up 12 personnel, 13 personnel, and getting under center and handing the ball off. And those one to two yard gains, they need to be four to five yard gains in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking at Pacheco to uh, help boost this offense against a great defense. Slow down that pass rush. Like, do things they did against the 49ers. They, they ran circles around Nick Bosa. Just do that against the whole defensive line, you know? Just, you know, get in the huddle and circle, circle around, and just do that. So um, these are a bit deeper sleepers, if you will. Deeper sleeper. Um, I expect Justin Watson to... Lucas Niang. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I expect Justin Watson to to do a couple things. Um, he's going to be drawing like the worst pass defender for the Eagles most of the time, I would imagine. Um, they might end up using him in some of those bigger sets like, OK, well, we'll just throw Justin Watson as the one wide out out here occasionally. Um, and when Pat gets protection and can attack those safeties, I think that, you know, you're essentially looking at at Watson and MVS as your options. And MVS, especially after the game that he had last week, is going to be drawing a lot more attention. Justin Watson will never probably even see safety help. He's going to be one-on-one against a bad player, and he's a fast guy with a big body, and Mahomes likes him. Mahomes seems to, well, kind of trust him. I mean, he started dropping some balls there at the end of the year. Uh, But I think that Justin Watson is going to make a surprise play or two um, and and honestly, especially given the health with Rigatoni, uh, with with McColl probably potentially being done uh, as a Kansas City Chief, seeing the last of him, um, at least in uniform, uh, he'll certainly be on the sideline wearing 14 chains on Sunday. Um, but I I'm I'm warning everyone now, especially those of you that are going to want to curse at me or spit out your cereal who would do that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be active on Sunday and Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be used in the red zone I promise you he will I promise you he is going to get touches and and it's most likely going to be in the red zone um I would imagine that they'll just deactivate Ronald Jones um, Clyde knows the offense better. He does more than Ronald Jones. He can be used in different ways. And if you're talking about a guy to catch some screen passes, uh, a guy to help in the misdirection, a guy to try to give you some wonky matchups, they're going to use Clyde on Sunday. And we might all be scared every single time he touches the ball for whatever reason. I don't, I don't think that Clyde is like a turnover waiting to happen. Uh, but it's so weird after not having seen him for so long and everybody pretend pretty much just moving on. But Clyde is going to be in your life on the biggest possible stage Sunday evening in Arizona. I, I like it. I, I can see him making a play too. Uh, I mean, he he's he's actually been he was like in the in the early part of the year. It was he and Hardman that were helping us score all of those red zone touchdowns that was, you know, kind of paving the way to the 80% touchdown rate or whatever it is in the red zone this year. Um, 
You saw, I think, the numbers from Josh Norris that, like, the Chiefs were essentially the most effective red zone team in NFL history. I think they scored the most touchdowns in the red zone in any season this year. Um, It's not just Andy cooking. It's all these different weapons. I mean, they've got a bunch of different guys. I mean, look at all the the receiving touchdowns that McKinnon has, and and not all are the, you know, 50-yarders against San Francisco. We're talking about a bunch of little stuff in the red zone, um, Kelsey caught a bunch of stuff in the red zone, Clyde, McColl, uh, Rigatoni. I mean, like you name it. Um, they got a lot of weapons down there, man. And I, I think that with some of them missing and some of them hobbled, Clyde is going to be a factor. Also saw another weird stat, uh, that came out. There was, there was a great article written by somebody, Sheil. Sheil Kapadian. He's yeah. an Eagles fan, but he's, oh, he, really? he used oh, to so be he- like, like, Big national guy for the athletic, and now he's at the ringer. Shields, excellent. So we had that. I, I highly encourage everybody. I, I stole a bunch of stats from him. Uh, so the, shout out to him. The 25 things article? Yes. The 25 things about the Super Bowl. Uh, loaded with stats. Loaded with goodness. Uh, I retweeted it, but just, you'll, you'll find it easily. Uh, Chiefs had the most yards after catch by any team in the NFL in the last 15 years. This most, season? This season. Holy crap. I couldn't believe it. I heard nobody talk about it all season. But, I mean, it kind of makes sense with how they've changed the offense. And this kind of leads into the number of red zone touchdowns they've scored as well because they're not getting those big plays. They've changed the style of the offense to a much more efficient, short yardage kind of thing. So they're getting in the red zone and then scoring once they're in the red zone instead of, you know, scoring 60-yard bombs with Tyreek Hill, which isn't in the red zone. Um, So just an interesting stylistic change, which I think will help them a lot in this game. Like I think the 2018 Chiefs offense could struggle against a team like the Eagles because they, the downfield passing game is such a big part of the game that if you don't have that, you know, they might freak out. They might start to struggle when they, when they can't do it. This team much more used to getting the ball out quick, getting it to their, to their playmakers, using design to to get yards after catch. Uh, So I think they're much more equipped this season uh, to play against a team, play against a defense like the Eagles than the early Mahomes years Chiefs. I, I'm I'm still over here bamboozled by that statistic. The Chiefs, again, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the Chiefs have the most You're just tuning in. <laughs> the most yards after catch in the last 15 years. And I think it was 15 plus years because they like that's all that's how far back the data went. So here this I mean in an era when we're talking about teams like the Dolphins get the ball in the hands of Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and let them run and make plays of Kyle Shanahan's uh you know 49ers group where it's throwing a lot of short stuff and letting those guys go make plays and the Chiefs this 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 Chiefs team this this one the one after they just traded Tyreek that is bananas man really <laughs> oh, I, I want to fact check Shield Kapadia right I, now I honestly I looked it up I just pulled up the article Thanks. yes they piled up 2,850 yards after catch in the regular season that's the most by any team in the last 15 years so scratch what I said earlier about 15 plus years 50 yards after the catch oh my god that's awesome that's awesome man that is awesome alright I'm feeling more confident now oh how about this one one more I think we'll round out the Chiefs offense versus the defense here. Mahomes, in terms of EPA, 
don't know what the hell that means, but nerds love it. Mahomes is first in EPA against man coverage, against zone coverage, against the blitz, against no blitz, and against two high safeties. Against single high, he's second. Mm. Second. Uh, so that's the key to slowing down Mahomes is playing a single high safety. Uh, the the narration, the, na- the narrative has been rewritten. Mm. That's well, my mind. Let's talk about the defense. This Kansas yeah. City Chiefs defense led by Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and a few guys on the back end. But mostly, I believe it's Chris Jones and Frank Clark that are like the tone setters for this defense. And, and wow, uh, the task that they have this week. Last week was... Do what everyone expects you to do because the Bengals' offensive line is terrible, and just because you haven't showed up against them doesn't mean that you're off the hook. I mean, the fact that Joe Burrow got sacked like nine times in both nine. in both the game before and after uh, last year's AFC Championship, and the Chiefs couldn't bring Burrow down to save their lives. Um. That Eagles offensive line, something to marvel at. Now, I do understand that they've given up some sacks. Uh, I want to say that they were kind of middle of the pack. Uh, A lot of that probably having to do with maybe the opposite of that stat where you said that Mahomes being pressured um, and actually being brought down a low percentage. Um, I don't really know uh, that Jalen Hurts is on the opposite end of that spectrum, but I would expect so. Because I did see that Hurts against the Blitz, um, 29th in EPA, your stat there, 28th in success rate. Oh, I love success rate. And and ultimately, I mean, it's probably just because he's young and he wants to make a play with his legs sometimes and he's holding on to the ball longer. And the longer you hold the ball, the more of a chance you're giving that defensive line to be able to get a sack on you. And yeah, you're trying to buy time for your receivers to get open. Uh, but I think he's just in, in general, I think he's safer too. He doesn't want to throw an interception. So he's much rather take a sack. Oh, okay. Throw an interception. Cause he only got like six picks on the whole year. Um, so he's very risk averse. Whereas, you know, we're talking about pressuring burrow. He has no problem just launching the ball up to chase or Higgins uh, hurts. Not as uh, apt to do that. He'll just eat it. To sack. Okay. Well, my my understanding is that uh, despite the fact that the Eagles are really good at all five spots, um, the Chiefs are kind of built inside out. Um, You know, we see like the interior seems like it's better than the tackles. The tackles are sort of the weak spot on the Chiefs offensive line, despite still being a really good offensive line. Um, The tackles in Philly... I think are widely considered the best pair of tackles in the NFL. Um, I don't really know how to think about that though, because it really does seem like a run first team and protecting Jalen hurts is a lot different than protecting say Patrick Mahomes. And so I don't know exactly how good these tackles are though. I don't want to overlook Lane Johnson. He's been very good for a very long time and I don't think we need to be asking questions about him, but I, I wonder if the Chiefs defensive line, because I think of the Eagles as a run first team, 
um, that are going to bring a lot of stuff that you're going to have to figure out. Plus, they're just good. Um, Chiefs defense started the year. I was like keeping tally every game. Oh, look at this Chiefs run defense. Nobody can run on the Chiefs, baby. Um, and hey, they certainly stepped up last week against the Bengals, a team that had given us fits um, running the ball. But I'm, I'm not like super confident in the run defense. And if the Eagles are going to be super committed to it, I mean, that's the game plan for them to win, right? Like run for over 160 or something. Um, and, and the Eagles are going to be in very, very good shape to win. Um, and I mean, I don't know like who the stopper is for that Chiefs defense against the run. Is there a guy that you think of? I mean, is, is, it, is it Nick Bolton? Um, you know, and, and, and there's probably some question marks about Willie Gay's health and I don't know what to think about Darius Harris and don't really know what to think about Leo Schnall. And I don't know. I just uh, a little nervous about that, uh, that Philly run game uh, and whether or not we can keep the discipline that we need, especially at that linebacker spot, uh, to be able to clean these plays up. What are, you, what are you expecting from the Chiefs defense, at least against this Eagles rushing attack? Yeah, so it's an interesting strategical decision. Do you want to sell out to stop the run uh, and then leave those rookie corners in one-on-one situations against Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown? Uh, not to mention Dallas Goddard, who's a great tight end. Um, or do you want to take your chance and see, all right, you know, it's been kind of a long-time Chiefs philosophy of we'll let you run it because your running game isn't going to keep up with Mahomes. Um, now, if a team were built to do that, it would probably be this Eagles team, uh, especially once you're adding in the running presence of the quarterback. I mean, that just adds a whole new dimension, adds an extra body to that running game. Um, so it's an interesting strategic decision what you want to do. And, they, and the fear is if you let them run like that, if you're staying back and, and just, okay, because that was kind of the strategy against like Derrick Henry. Because remember, we were just like, Derrick Henry can run, but we just can't give up, you know, 50-yard runs. Or 50-yard play-action passes. As long as we're not giving that up, that up, we'll be fine. And that worked beautifully. Uh, um, now, can you do that? I mean, this defense is a lot better than that Titans defense, so you don't know if Mahomes will be scoring at the same rate as he would uh, in a game like that. Um, but, you know, kind of the fear, if you do let them run the ball like that, is, like I said earlier, limits the number of possessions that Mahomes has. Um, so what I'm doing, I'm bringing the house. And that means to kind of stop the run. And that means to bring pressure on Jalen Hurts. Uh, He has struggled against the Blitz this year. Um, I'm not totally convinced that he's 100% healthy. Um, He has, there's a lot of question marks. He's Craig in watching the film, our boy Craig Stout has gone on and on about, he doesn't, he hasn't wanted to take hits since he's come back from injury. Now the games haven't been close, well, actually, I mean, the first half against the Niners, they their offense looked pretty shitty. Now, obviously, the 49ers defense is strong, but they didn't look good. And the 49ers were kind of bringing that A-gap pressure. They're lining up that linebackers right over the nose and either bringing pressure or backing off and confusing the offensive line. I think if I'm the Chiefs defense, I'm going to bring the house again and again and again. It, things have just been too easy for Jalen Hurts. Make things hard for him. Um, and I think... The key into doing that is to bring the house. I, I think Spags is going to mix it up, and I think he's going to. You're going to see blitzers on nearly every play, 
and they're going to throw bodies at stopping the run. Um, and I think that's how you want to do it. And you're going to take your chances and you might give up a player or two to AJ Brown or Devontae Smith, but you, but you live with it. Okay. You can have that. See if you can do it again. Like we're going to, we're going to make Jalen hurts beat us with his arm is how I would go into it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's probably the right play. Um, I mean, the guy that gives me confidence um, aside from Spags, a, a very obvious confidence. Um, the, the guy that gives me the most confidence, it's, it's crazy, but it's Frank, man. I mean, he's been, I think, by all accounts, even at his worst moments uh, for the Chiefs, underperforming largely, especially during the regular season, for most of his tenure here. And yet, Frank has been nothing short of an elite run defender he's so disciplined he always does exactly what it is that he's coached to do and I just have a really hard time seeing Jalen Hurts be able to I guess essentially lean on running away from Frank Clark for an entire game and that working um especially considering that you end up having a guy like Carlos Dunlap, who's a veteran um, and, and the build on that guy, I imagine that he's going to be able to get up the arc, hold his spot, make Jalen hurts choose. Um, and so then it really just becomes this matchup of like Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Juan Thornhill, Justin Reed, Legereus Sneed. Um, you know, we think about like last week against the Bengals Um a talking point going into that game was how the Bengals make you tackle and especially like make your, your, uh, your corners and your safeties tackle. Uh, they're going to force you to do it. And I think that the Eagles do that too, but it's like, you got to tackle Hertz and Sanders and Gainwell. Well, um, AJ Brown. I mean, AJ Brown is as physical as it gets as a receiver. I mean, up there with Jamar chase, I guess. Yeah. I, I think that this is probably, to me, like, like Frank is, is the guy that is really going to help the team and really guide them um, and, and set the tone. But ultimately, I think probably the most important player in this game is Nick Bolton. Um, he's going to have to be disciplined because of all the RPO stuff. He's going to have to be aggressive because there's going to be so many keeps. Um, I mean, it, it's not the we need to go see Nick Bolton make 17 tackles, you know, eight yards beyond the line of scrimmage. No, Nick Bolton is going to have to be the the Derrick Henry stopper, the making plays in the backfield, the leading the league as a rookie and tackles for loss, you know, going out there and doing that stuff because he is playing downhill. Yeah. And yeah. if that's if that's what the the bringing the house is, then that's exactly what we need to see because the the Nick Bolton that's trying to drop into coverage and is getting blocked four and five and six yards off the line of scrimmage and like backpedaling and then cleaning up a play, that is not what you can. We can't let the Eagles be going out there six, eight, ten yards running at a time. Yeah, I mean, when, when do we like these linebackers best? We've said it time and time again this year. We like them when they're attacking. And when they're attacking, they look fantastic. I mean, Nick Bolton up there for league leaders in terms of tackles for loss. When he's you know, on a set path, you know, he looks, he looks fantastic. And when he, but when he's dropping back and he's unsure of what he's doing, that's when you get like these kind of 
fading away from blockers and, and making tackles downfield and getting shook by Joe Burrow. Um, so I am, I am almost sending like run blitzes with these linebackers. I'm just, I'm attacking everywhere on defense. And then I'm living with my guys in the box. You know, I'm throwing Sneed in the box and, and dropping down a safety in the box. And that's what, that's what I'm living with. I, I want these linebackers to attack and shut down the running game that way. Because if they are sitting back, like you said, and just reading like this, this read option that they're going to spam you to death with. Um, I, I mean, I don't like it. I, I, I don't like it. If, if we're just sitting back on our heels, they will run down the field on us because their offensive line is, is better than our run defense. If, unless you change the math. Um, so I am all about being attacking on defense and I realize that might lead to big plays. And that's what the Eagles team likes to do. They, they, it's, in their stats, they they like to throw it early and they like to get a lead and then they like to run it. And they just like to lean on that run game from, from there on out. Uh, but they like to, I'm sure this is lots of team strategies. They come out, hey, we're going to shut down this run game. And then Eagles, once they see people down in the box, okay, we're going to take deep shots down the field to, to one of our two receivers. And honestly, I mean, I, I almost want to go like Patriot strategy and throw McDuffie on Devontae Smith. Um, and then, you know, throwing safety help towards AJ Brown, you know, which, whichever other corner is going on AJ Brown and then throwing safety help his way. It's, it's kind of how I would do it, even though the, the chiefs have been asked directly the last couple of days, Snead has been asked directly a couple times if they're chasing and he said, no, obviously it doesn't have to be truthful here. Uh, but that would be an interesting strategy to me. And I, I trust more in one-on-one coverage, especially with that body type, uh, alignment, how you want to, you know, match up to similar type bodies throwing McDuffie on Devontae and taking my chances one-on-one. And if he's going to be McDuffie down the field and Jalen Hurts is going to put it there, then then they they might win. But that's that's where I want them to win. I want them to win right there. I, I like it. Something that I think is really interesting, and it might just be, you know, my brain. Um, I think that Spags calling the game that way calling a very aggressive, very attacking style defense is probably the best course for a bunch of young guys that really need to be told what to do on a down-to-down basis right now. Um, they have so many rookies and and even Nick Bolton. I mean, look, like, I think that uh, I actually heard a number of different people uh, that, you know, maybe tend to be critical of Nick Bolton, not to be negative, but critical, uh, particularly against the pass. And they're saying like this game against Cincinnati, he made a difference. He shut things down in the middle of the field as a zone defender and had a really nice game. Um, I feel like he's been moving slow the last couple games that like he might be a little like got a lingering injury or something i'm not sure he doesn't look i, mean, I, I definitely got i got mad at him a few times against the Bengals, especially after that there was oh, the shimmy by burrow uh and then he missed a tackle soon thereafter and i was he was kind of my i was i was frustrated at the time and i may have lashed out a time or two against nick bolt i um, I think that like, I mean, we, we talked, we've talked about Bolton a number of times this year. And the thing that I feel like kind of keeps coming up is that he may not be like the fastest processor. Like if, if we're really trying to point to something, but there's also an excuse that's kind of built in because he didn't even really get to play middle as a rookie and he slides in there this year. So he's technically playing a new position 
And he's got the headset. I mean, he's the one that's supposed to be lining everybody up and doing all the communication. And he's just a young player, right? He's he's not supposed to be good at everything in year two. Most people aren't. Um, and, and so I'm not like worried about him at all, uh, especially not in a long-term sense. But I, I, I do think that if Spags calls the game in a really aggressive way so that Bolton doesn't have to do a lot of, all right, I got to drop back into this zone and I got to make sure that if this guy's doing this and this guy's doing it, it's like, no, see the ball, hit the ball. All right. Like just get into the backfield and, and play that style of, of, of really attacking defense. I think that it takes some of the guesswork out of it for these young guys that are, that are having to think so much and I mean, look, oh, we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't tell you that these rookies, they're not rookies anymore. Oh, they're not rookies anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that that's actually potentially like a really smart play. You know, you think about like trying if 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 Spags wanted to call a vanilla defensive game plan because he really trusted his players, then he'd probably have like a veteran filled defense where he doesn't have to be that creative. He can just say, you know, trust your instincts and I'm going to put you in positions to succeed. But with this group, I do think that that aggressive style um, that might also just cause a lot of problems for Hertz because of his struggles against the Blitz, um, maybe trying to disrupt some of that timing if he's trying to get the ball out quick to guys like Devontae and A.J. Brown who are just tough covers at the line of scrimmage. Um, that, that might be the play. And it would be so fun to see it because they played it so differently last week against Cincinnati for the whole game. He basically didn't blitz. I believe it was their lowest blitz percentage of the season. Um, and, and so getting to have that kind of stylistic difference. And, you know, he wants to. Oh, yeah. I mean, but Spags is just such a, a, an amazing big game coach. I mean, he he's he's historically maybe I mean, does he have the most impressive like defensive coordinator resume in the Super Bowl? I mean, is is that where he's at at this point? Was both Giants Super Bowls mm -hmm. and the Saints? Was he with the Saints at that uh, time or no? That I don't know. I don't think he I, was. Don't know. I don't think he was. Um, I want to say that was, uh, the the Bounty Gate guy, Greg, whatever. Oh, Greg Williams. There you go. Love yeah. Big big fan. Big fan. <laughs> I mean, a lot of this might be like scoring situation as well. Um, where you know, if the Eagles get out ahead, then you're pretty much forced to get into a we can't let them run it. But if if the Chiefs were to get up two scores, maybe then you back off and it's like, okay, let's see you be patient all the way down the field now, mm -hmm. and let's see you try and keep up with this offense while you're behind. Um, so a lot of this might be determined by you know who gets out to what lead in this game. Um, and I, you know, I mentioned experience earlier, earlier, big key to this game. Chiefs have much more big game experience. Eagles, they don't even have much close game experience. Like a lot of their games this year with that week of schedule, just not playing many tight games this year. Whereas the chiefs are incredibly ballot battle tested. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they come out. I mean, one big thing we used to always worry about with Mahomes, and you know, this happened in lots of playoff games comes out and he's a little too excited. He's kind of overthrowing guys and he's just a little too amped up uh, and he's kind of struggled. We've seen that kind of put to bed, I think. I think he's come out pretty hot uh, in, you know, in, in recent playoff history. 
Uh, so maybe he's kind of put that to bed and that, and that just goes to, to show how big experience is. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm bringing the house. I, I just want to, I, I want to see Jalen Hurts do it. I want to see him do it. Um, and that's how I'm handling it. I, I think Spags wants to do it too. I think that's what he wants to do. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I, um, I definitely think I'm more confident about the chiefs defense surprising some people with their play than like the Chiefs offense going out and just being a well-oiled machine. Um, but I mean, in, in either case to me, it really just comes down to coaching. Like that's, that's what this game is ultimately going to be about for me. I think that if the chiefs want to win, I mean, we kind of circled Orlando Brown. Circled Nick Bolton. I'll throw Willie Gay in there as well on defense because you know, Nick Bolton, He's kind of the thumper. Willie Gay is kind of the playmaker. And I, I I postulated earlier this year at some point, you know, the Chiefs defense kind of comes and goes with Willie Gay's, you know, if he's making plays or he can look lost at times as well. Yeah. And he's almost kind of like the temperature check of the defense. If he's out there making plays then the defense can look good because they need that playmaker. Um, but he, there's other times where he looks lost and that's, you know, the Chiefs defense getting beat like that. So I think I think the linebackers are huge in this game which is crazy because I think it's just kind of just been a question mark for the team all season, kind of been like an ongoing debate uh, amongst Chiefs Twitter throughout the season. Uh, so we kind of get like the final test here to see how that's how it plays out. And a stat that kind of leads to that potential weakness here on the Chiefs defense, they're 31st against short middle passes, whereas the Eagles are third best in the short middle passing department. Hmm. So some, some room there for the Eagles. You know how we kind of talked about attacking those linebackers in zone coverage. Uh, that would be the area where they're doing that. Uh, so something something to keep your eye on in this game. Well, you had mentioned that essentially the Eagles' formula is that they kind of want to throw to get a lead and then they want to run to kill the game off. Um, not unheard of in the NFL. Um, that would make me think that like essentially what the Eagles have done, because you said they're not even playing many tight games, like they're getting out to a lead – and then they're making it just really difficult because they're so good at running the ball. They're making it really difficult for teams to even be able to stay in the game, uh, let alone try to close that gap. Uh, so I thought, okay, well, maybe this means that the Eagles are like a great first quarter team. They hop on people, right? They're fourth in the league in first quarter scoring. Chiefs are fifth. They're, they're basically, you know, the same. Uh, so I don't I don't necessarily fear the Chiefs getting down. Uh, I mean, there's certainly a possibility that Pat can turn the ball over, um, especially if he does come out, you know, the way that he has historically in some of these bigger games. Um, I mean, turnovers. You mentioned that Hertz doesn't really give the ball away. Um, I think that for the Chiefs, it was maybe more of a product of not taking the ball away as much um, that, that led to having that negative turnover differential. Um, I don't, I don't know if this game is going to be like really hinging on the turnovers. I I don't know if it's going to be, you know, the penalties. Um, I, I, I do know. I do know Dirk that the ref is like kind of a household name. Oh no. Say it ain't so. Uh, I did see your finger up, so I might be steering you in a direction you're not quite ready to go. Oh, I'm I'm ready. Uh, but real quick, I did notice when I was looking at their season, 
you know, they lose to the commanders in that, that shocking loss in the middle of the season. They turned it over four times. Um, they lost to the Cowboys. This would have been with Gardner Minshew, I believe also turned it over four times in that game. Mm. Uh, so the Eagles they haven't lost a lot this year, uh, but when they have, they've turned it over, uh, turned it over three times in a close game against the bears, surprisingly close and Hertz did play in that one. Um, so that is, that is something to keep your eye on. Obviously turnovers can always change everything. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard, kind of hard to strategize around, but yeah, I had a little deep dive cause I needed to, I needed to know the exact history of what we're dealing with when it comes to Carl Sheffers, maybe the biggest concern of this game. So let's do a little deep dive on Carl Sheffers. Good. Good. I'm holding it. Holding it. Holding it. I think that was pretty good. I think that was Super Bowl quality. I think that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Carl Sheffers, fun fact. His crew leads the NFL in flags thrown this year. All right. Great. Uh, He's actually working his second Super Bowl in three years uh, because he also worked the Chiefs and Buccaneers Super Bowl. Who remembers that game? How about eight penalties for 95 yards in the first half? That was was great. I lost my fucking mind in that second quarter when I didn't even know if I could lose my mind over a Chiefs game anymore. Carl Sheffers actually pushed me to that point. Um, He also refed the Raiders game earlier this year when we had the Chris Jones roughing the passer and his voice cracking because the... 75,000 people were screaming at him. Uh, so maybe that turned a little bit of a corner. But we also had him in the Texans game uh, where we had 10 penalties for 102 yards. Um, those were both season highs for the year. These were our two highest penalized games on the year, both coming in Carl Sheffer's games. Uh, fantastic. Uh, of course, all this stems back to a 2016 playoff game uh, when Carl Sheffer's, I believe himself, because, you know, a lot of this is his crew. It's not his crew, as we've, we've talked about or as everyone's talked about, it's an all-star crew. So it's not it's not like this crew is, is all the ones throwing the flags all year, but he has been the head of the crew that has. Um, but I do think he threw the flag for holding on Eric Fisher when James Harrison just slips and falls down. Um, and we have to retry the two-point conversion afterwards. And we're, you know, I don't, you wouldn't think like refs hold grudges for a reason unless something like this happens. And Travis Kelsey gets on the mic after the game and says, ref number 51 should never be able to wear a zebra jersey again. Shouldn't even be allowed to work at fucking Foot Locker. Okay. Um, how about a little, let's get a little deeper here. I looked at Carl Sheffer's entire officiating history in Chiefs games. Since that game, he has refed 12 Chiefs games. He has called the Chiefs for more penalty yards than their opponent in nine of those 12 games. A little dicey, a little dicey. I dug even deeper. Guess what game he refed? Guess what game he refed back in 2006? Trent Green almost got his head ripped off his fucking body. Didn't throw a flag. He didn't throw a flag. No flag on that hit. Trent Green almost got decapitated on NFL field. Um, So it goes all the way back that far if you want to get fancy with it. Um, I do have a little saving grace when it comes to Carl Sheffer's games. And that is the the Chiefs are 8-2. and in the Mahomes era in Carl Sheffer's games. So despite his best efforts, uh, the Chiefs have maintained 
a on par winning percentage in the Carl Sheffers games. And that concludes the Carl Sheffers deep dive. Do not ruin this fucking game, Carl Sheffers. We are all on watch and we know where your family lives. <laughs> Maybe I'd stop that part out. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, look, someone did at one point <laughs> make a graphic for Celtic Pride where they turned it into Arrowhead Pride and put our faces oh yeah on there yeah with Jimmy yeah. Adams I think shout out Jimmy Tom Brady uh I we I have a shirt with that on it and look if ever it were a time it it might be now not to go kidnap Jalen Hurts but Carl Sheffers Carl Jeffers. Uh, let's get hey, let's get Ron Tolbert out there. I thought Ron Tolbert did a, a stand-up job. Let's get him back out there. Uh, I will. I will say <laughs> that some guy at some point sent me some guy shout out some Jeffers numbers because I I was like oh my god they gave Carl Jeffers the Super Bowl and they responded and was like the Chiefs have the Chiefs are excellent in Carl Jeffers refereed games and so I want to say he was probably talking about against the spread margin of victory record whatever because there were multiple numbers that this dude sent me uh shout out to you maybe me reply to one of the podcast tweets of this episode and say hey it was me and here's the carl cheffers data that dirk missed you can big boy dirk that's fine you can yeah, big boy luck. him good luck uh <laughs> but i i do think that uh at least based on that guy's tweet and now Dirk's deep dive. Carl Jeffers, maybe not the worst thing in the whole entire world. Not as not as big and bad of a terrible thing as we thought. Uh, because like because of some of the things that have happened with Carl Jeffers, uh, I just want to be like, oh, well, he definitely uh, called the unnecessary roughness against Chris Jones on Tom Brady. Oh, it's, it's it gets thrown out there. It gets thrown like, out there. So oh, that's why I was like, definitely called the forward progress. Uh, uh, Derek Johnson on Mark Schmier. I just assume that he refed the 45 to 44 game against the Colts. Like every bad chiefs memory. I'm just saying, yeah, that was Carl Jeffers. And that's not fair to that man. That's not fair. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, Cause you check, but want to be fair. I, I had to fact check. I need, I had to know how deep this goes. And I do see that thrown around that he's just he gets mentioned that he was refing any bad call in, in Chiefs lore. Uh but so that's why I needed to find the actual facts um and, and, and solve that one. All right. So uh among the worries that I've dished out today, Dirk, I'm about to give you my final worry. I'm really worried about um, my bank account. If the mm. Chiefs, if they win, I mean, folks, uh, being a, a school teacher in the state of Missouri, <laughs> it's not a good look, especially when you live by yourself and you pay all the bills. Don't get to split them with anybody. No two-income household here. See uh, <laughs> how expensive everything is? Conference championship T-shirt for $65. I mean, those are definitely ones that you like want to wait a few weeks for when everyone only wants Super Bowl gear anyway. Um, but man, when the Chiefs won in 2019, there was just so much cool shit. And it was and it was just it just went on forever and ever and ever 
And ever, like three months later, oh, hey, here's a new poster that I made commemorating the Chiefs' first Super Bowl in 50 years. Oh, well, I guess here's another $85 that I'm just going to spend. Uh, boy, worried about the bank account. If well, So if you're, if you're balling on a budget, I think the veteran move, you get a couple things and then you wait a few months and they go on deep, deep sales. Because I've gotten some, I've loaded up on stuff and the t-shirts will be like five bucks. Hats will be like $3. Like if you just yeah. wait long enough, they have that shit left over um, and, you, and you can get it, you know, after the fact. But, you know, in, in the moment, you want a thing or two to commemorate. Uh, so that's just if you're balling on a budget. Another yeah. worry for me, um, I'm worried about law enforcement coming to my house on Sunday um, because uh, eating, we actually, we're going to eat some uh, bald eagle for the game. That's, <laughs> that's what we're grilling. Um, so I think that's illegal, uh, but I found it on the black market on the uh the dark internet and uh that's what we're eating so we're gonna i'll let you know how that tastes we're getting prepared the uh, american way (laughs) what are you eating on sunday uh we are having barbecue uh and you know home cooked or ordering oh no we were so we were talking about uh i'm gonna i'll be with my girlfriend and her daughter um and was talking about uh swooping up some better man than i (laughs) i'm I'm around kids like for a living it's fine that's true i guess i'll be around kids too but i don't i don't wash my mouth around them oh i no we don't have to really wash our mouths around riley she's a teenager it's fine uh so (laughs) i think it's gonna be i'm really hoping here's what i'm hoping folks here's the secret uh dirk since you left a little shop's little shop's popped up it was probably open before you left town, uh, but just didn't really have much of a name. Well, Kansas City Chiefs fans located here in the Kansas City metro area, I am here to tell you about Harp Barbecue. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Harp Barbecue, even though hey, I'm not paying nice. for it. Uh, because my goodness, is that a special restaurant? Um, and I'm thinking that so they just moved into this brick and mortar in Raytown. It's not too far from me. Uh, and I'm, I live in South Kansas city. Um, and every once in a while, usually like, honestly, it seems like it happens like twice a week, but there's not like a menu for it. It's probably just a matter of like, we didn't sell as many as we wanted to yesterday, or, uh, we kind of overshot on our order or something, but they're doing $25 slabs of ribs. And I'm here to tell you, that it's maybe the best slab in town. How many and, slabs are you eating? Uh, well, I mean, me myself. Yeah. Super Bowl, like I could, I could maybe take down a slab, but dude, these are these are spare ribs, and like they're not small. Um, I, I, the thing that I really love about Harp, if you guys you know care to hear it, uh, as a food snob, uh, spent twenty years cooking people's food. I, I think. The thing I love about the ribs at Harp is that they don't do the overcooking them so that you take one bite and the whole thing comes off the bone. Uh, these have some some toothiness. They're like competition ribs, um, and they're really peppery and delicious. Uh, Harp is phenomenal. Uh, everything that I tried there, including their turkey. Uh, Durkey's a big turkey guy. Uh, I'll tell you what. If if I really like hit hit peak 
earnings at some point and I get to live luxuriously. You're going to eat turkey? I'm going to eat Harp's turkey as my lunch meat because uh, it would be like $30 a pound or something. <laughs> um, but not, a, not cucumber and mustard sandwiches? No, no. I would probably need a little, little turkey on there, turkey. Uh, but you know, I'm, I think I'm going to grab some, some ribs from harp. Uh, I know, but it's, it's probably gonna be like a, a multi-stop barbecue tour, uh, because I believe I have to get Jack Stack's beans. Uh, I don't know Ooh. what else is going to happen. A little mix and match. But I gotta like, I'm going to hit some spots. Ooh. Um, you know, and if, so if you're, if you're kind of like building up a, a barbecue plate, I mean, I'll take some ribs from harp. Uh, we need the, the beans from Jack Stack. I honestly, those chicken wings at at Jack Stack are out of this world. They're so good. Don't sleep on the shrimp either, folks. So, that, but they're not serving an eagle. Oh uh, no, I don't. I don't think that there's eagle on the menu, um, unless maybe it's like a like an invitation only kind of under the table hush hush sort of oh, thing. Yeah. Uh, speaking of bald eagles, nope. I don't. I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything. I wanted to try to do it. I wasn't. I, I got a. I got a bald eagle here. Okay. So I. So a little story here. Uh, I went to a comedy club last week. Discovered this comedy club near us that some big names come to. Somewhat big names. Uh, I've seen Jay Leno there. I saw uh, Kevin Nealon there and Paul Reiser. Kevin Nealon was brought the house down. Uh, oh. So this past week we actually went and saw Arsenio Hall. A uh, little disappointing, but this dude's sitting in front of me. This black dude. He's wearing an Eagles hat. I'm like, ah, oh, this fucker. Um, but then some, at some point they come up and, and talk to him like, oh man, I haven't seen you in a long time. Good to see you out here. And then later on, he goes on the stage and it turns out it's, it's Kevin Eubanks, who I'm not sure if you know, but he is the side guy for the Jay Leno show, like his tonight show with Jay Leno. He was like the guitar player and like his little second guy. It was Kevin Eubanks. And the tonight show band. Yeah. So he's, uh, after the game or after the show, I like shook his hand. I like leaned over in his ear and I was just like, go chiefs. <laughs> and he turned around and said, what the hell? And so I uh, talked to little Kevin Eubanks, little Eagles D-list celebrity here. Uh, I got to tell him, go Chiefs. So I was like, did you, did you miss Andy Reid? He's like, hell no. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. Uh, but he did kind of, he also put the Chiefs on a pedestal. He's like, man, if we're able to beat this Chiefs team, the Chiefs, I mean, we could take them down. That's a big deal. And so it was just kind of, it was funny to hear him talk about the Chiefs uh, in that way, just like, it feel like he kind of put them on a pedestal, even though the Eagles are technically favored in this game. So that was that was kind of fun. Hmm. Well, I mean, look, it's uh, it's as big as it gets, folks. How you feeling? You feeling nervous? Uh, I mean, no, no, like I don't. It's weird. I I I feel like I probably like brought the vibe down a little bit throughout the show because I am like worried. I don't. I don't. Oh, no, we need it. We need that back and forth. I don't see this like simple path to success for the Chiefs. I think it's going to be a very, very tough game for them. Um, and and I really, I yeah, I don't like I said, I don't, I I think they're going to struggle to score. But I am still. There's just so much, especially that coaching staff. Like that's just where I'm putting all my faith. You know, I almost want to say that like this one, it's on the coaching staff the way that last week was on Chris Jones because. There's just way too much experience, way too much knowledge, way too much winning, way too much know-how. Um, they just have it in spades over that Eagle staff. I mean, like, I, you guys might not remember. I, surely everyone has mentioned it. Andy Reid was an Eagles coach. He was an Eagles coach. And Nick Sirianni. 
You guys might never remember that long. Sirianni was like the quality control coach, which is like your entry level coaching position under Todd Haley. I mean, he was here for three- was, Todd Haley's just buddy. He was just his yeah. buddy from like the uh, uh, like the workout club. I forget what it's called, but uh, and he just like brings him on as a quality control coach or whatever. Can I can I just say I really fucking hate Nick Sirianni's face? His little move into the camera, his oh, little staring into the camera during the Giants game. Oh, did he? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even see it. Fuck his face. I mean, look. I sent it to the Colombian chat. You should have seen it. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I a little too much. A little too much Philadelphia love. Like a little too much. Man, we hate the Bengals, but like it, Philadelphia seems cool. Nah, fuck the Eagles. <laughs> fuck them. Have you ever been to Philadelphia? What a shithole. <laughs> is it really? What a shithole. I haven't been there. I mean, half of it is basically in New Jersey, and everybody, everybody knows New Jersey shithole. <laughs> <laughs> It is a shithole. But yeah, it's it's a little too much for me. A little too much. With this easy path, they didn't really earn it. They haven't earned it. They fired Andy. They're boring. Their uniforms suck. They are bringing back the Kelly Green eventually. I think that's a good idea. Mm. Okay. Uh, but fuck the Eagles. Fuck the Eagles. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's poetic that it comes down to Andy after they fired him. Um, and now he's the key to the game. That's something something poetic there. I didn't, didn't we, it's, he's six and O in chiefs Eagles games, like three and O coaching the Eagles and three and O coaching the chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. He just kind of, he wins. We're uh, getting an Andy Reid trick play in this game. Definitely. hundred percent. I told you unscouted looks. It's gonna something. Have, he's going to have two or three things that we just haven't seen before. Now that doesn't mean that they're going to work, uh, but they usually do. I'm sure they'll have something fun cooked up uh be definitely on the lookout for that um i mean what's the score dirt score um you got one well i'm gonna go i'm gonna go 27 17 27 27 17 um, I think the Chiefs get out 14-0. Eagles make it 14-10. Chiefs kind of pull away in the third quarter. And it's not too... They kind of keep them at an arm's length throughout the second half. I think it's like like 23-17 or something within a score. Um, and I, and I re, you know, that I'm picking 23 because I truly believe like Butker's going to be busy. Um, and he's going to take anything he can get. People are probably going to be frustrated at some some punt or field goal decisions. Uh, but I have a feeling that they're going to offensively take the points pretty often, uh, despite the fact that I think you said when it comes to like like really mattering situations that Andy tends to get aggressive. Uh, his, playoff, his playoff history with the Chiefs. So, he's gone for a lot of fourth downs. Uh, but I mean, they played it pretty safe against the Bengals. uh i i've thought about that decision more and more and i, I think it was the only decision was punting i just yeah. with the way the offense was at that point it's fourth and nine i've heard people throw around shorter distances uh but fourth and nine i do not trust the offense to get nine yards there and it just seems with seeing that field goal the side view of it and, and like butker wasn't even sure if it was good and it's a fucking it's a 41 or 42 yard field goal and it barely clears the bar by like a couple yards, man. <laughs> like, 
Mm. It's, can you imagine if we're all watching that and like the TV angle is just straight on? So you just you see it go down the middle. Everybody celebrates, and then he comes up short. That would be the most like confusing <laughs> time of my life. I would just like what just happened <laughs> short on a forty-two yard field goal to win it. Uh, from someone who's boomed 60 yarders in his career <laughs> like that would have been the most confusing play I've ever seen I heard a press conference with him where he said that like uh in the the kickoffs that he did in Arizona the first kick of the year when he oh, yeah you know, when he hurt his ankle yeah uh, he said that he was doing an 11 step approach um order now I would think. so oh he said he's doing five now. Um, the 11 step approach he's like obviously you can generate a lot more power and torque and whatever um but like depending on the surface most of the time now especially because the injury i've been doing five steps and i feel a lot more under control but that helps explain that he's not able to always leg the kickoff you know um i mean you're obviously gonna have warmer temperatures in arizona than you did in kansas city last week and um i think the surface i mean they george toma famed you know chiefs guy for a long time I believe was responsible for like growing the grass or whatever for the Super Bowl um and Arizona hasn't played for like a month so uh I I think that the field should probably be in as good a shape as we could expect um God I hope so but yeah man I mean we we had so many injuries on this field in that first week uh it it really threw off the early season trajectory it felt like despite the fact that the Chiefs really kind of continued to plug away and, and get those wins throw up Butker's whole season you see those yellow end zones though those are pretty uh yeah yeah I've seen people that are complaining about like not having the red I mean I'll take anything yellow from the Chiefs I just think it's it's great uh they did that in the 49ers Super Bowl is yellow I think right but they're doing the yellow end zones all playoffs yeah yeah, they haven't and, done the red for a while. But like, I don't remember, it, I don't remember the end zone. The red end zone was like was not the '90s consistently. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, we'll we'll get to that at some point. I'm sure that though, you know, it's kind of just it seems like every time that I hear Clark talk on the microphone, he talks about you know history and legacy and all these different things, and he's just doing all this stuff to honor his dad right now because everybody's watching um you know and i think eventually it'll be like okay we've done a lot of stuff from like the 60s maybe it's time to do a different kind of retro you know uh we'll yellow see pants? yellow pants on sunday uh no i believe it's uh white tops red pants uh pants? used to be reported by our friend sam mellinger on a weekly basis for the chiefs fashionistas missing those tweets sam missing them yeah what? Oh, I miss, yeah how could you leave that job that was his job. He shows up to the game, reports what they're wearing, and that's it. That's his one one goal for the week. Yeah. Yeah. Any uh before we go, any highlights from like coverage that you've been able to see? Whether it's silly questions or cool stuff or whatever. Is there anything that like people need to go out and see? Because if you're like me uh, and you can't really consume much of the internet throughout the day, it's like in the in the afternoon and evening, it's like I don't even know how to find some of it. I just like start looking through other people's timelines, hoping to to strike gold. Uh, I definitely saw some. I wanted to read the Kelsey thing on the ringer. Uh, I'm, I'm mostly going with the ringer for the pods. Uh, listen to the Kelsey or for the articles. Listen to the Kelsey pods, I guess. Uh, I will give a shout out to the franchise 
which is something that I just, I, I don't know why I don't watch this religiously every week because every, anytime I do watch it, it's, I'm just blown away by it. Yeah. Uh, I actually watched the one after the uh, Jaguars game a couple times. I watched it right before the game versus Cincinnati to get myself fired up. Um, I have not watched this week's yet. I'm kind of saving it for when my mind's right. Oh, I, I watched it before the podcast. It's fucking awesome. People have raved about it, uh, and they do a fantastic job. I, I imagine it's going to be truly fantastic. But for, for anyone that doesn't watch that for whatever reason, myself included, uh, watch that. Um, outside of that, I think that's nothing, nothing too much else. Uh, well, I heard Travis Kelsey said something about putting his balls on Jason's drum set. That was a weird one. Uh, so good for him. The, but they're not even stepbrothers. They're actual real brothers. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was, that was a good one. Uh, I, look, there's going to be nonstop wall-to-wall media coverage over the next few days. Uh, you know, I hope you guys have fun. I, I, that's, that's where I'm at. I just I want to have a fun day. Uh, I do think it's strange that I'm not so worried about losing because uh, for the Chiefs, this wasn't even supposed to be their year. Um, and I'm not trying to like hedge my feelings ahead of time with that stuff. It's just true. The Chiefs were rarely, if ever, the betting favorite for the Super Bowl this year. Um, and, you know, just lots of they're not going to be able to do it without Tyreek. And this is kind of a repositioning year. And yeah, they'll be a threat, of course, but like, just never really, really, really considered the favorite and not considered the favorite in this game. Um, and and I they they can use that kind of stuff for motivation, but like guys, if if they win this Super Bowl, like I, I'm just gonna be profoundly impressed with what they accomplished this year because I, it was not my expectation at the beginning of the year. It simply wasn't. Thought we'd probably be feel like one of the best teams, but just not really be able to get it done. I didn't even think they were going to make it, probably. Um, and they're there. They're ahead of schedule with a record number of rookies contributing. I, I respect the opinion, but I want them to finish the job. Uh, I'll leave you guys with how I started this playoff run, and that is that Patrick Mahomes becomes a made man if he wins the Super Bowl. Nobody has once ever said he only won two Super Bowls. Lots of people have said he only won one Super Bowl. Lots of Aaron Rodgers fear. Always. Oh, he might never get back again. No, fuck that. Wins another one right now. It's also the official launch of the Chiefs dynasty. Um, I don't think you can have a dynasty with only one championship. I think that's fair. Everyone's just kind of, they're waiting. They're waiting to anoint it, but they're not quite there. You win this one, it's officially there. And we're the top dogs for the foreseeable future. I mean, we might be already, but... You sit there and say only one ring when you made it to the AFC Championship five times. I mean, you got to eat that. And that's that's not a reality I want to live. Uh, I want Mahomes made status. I want to start cementing that legacy. And I want the Chiefs to finish the success that they've, you know, all the winning they've done the last 10 years. They need to add one more Super Bowl to it. It's kind of like, it's like almost like Bill Self, like, Bill Self did all this winning, but he only had the one ring until last year. He needed that. Like, he's just all these Final Fours, all these conference championships, but only one ring. Chiefs need to get there, too. Only one ring so far. They need to get that second and just announce their arrival. Here's here's the Chiefs dynasty. We ain't going away for a 
a long time. And that's what yeah. we're doing on Sunday, baby. Let's go. I mean, especially winning this game, this roster, this year. Um, against Andy's old team. If that's number two, then it looks like three, four, five, six, whatever is totally possible because of Mahomes' age um, and, and the exceptional number of young players on the roster too. Still going to be tough, always. Everybody is, is going to continue building to beat you. It's going to be tough. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to say that it doesn't matter. That's ridiculous. Of course it matters. It matters as much as some of any of the things that we care about. Um, I, I look at it and it's not just the, he only has one ring for quarterbacks. It's the same story for coaches, you know, Mm. and, and Andy and Patrick going from one ring to two, um, I think it vaults both of them into completely different category. It's a new level of the club. Yeah. It's a new level. Yeah. And, and, and it, because of the, the road that it paves for them to, to be ahead of schedule like this, um, even though it still kind of seems like you talk about like, man, after these 10 years and all the wins and everything else, they need another one. They maybe feels like they're behind schedule, but boy, if they win this one, folks, um, it could be an avalanche. It could be an avalanche. Um, no reason to not be confident overall, especially because of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, um, Travis Kelsey. Chris and Jones, start throwing him in there. Yeah, Chris Jones, Frank Clark. He's the new fourth uh, member of the Four Horsemen. Tyreek out, Chris Jones in. I dig that. Uh, well, with that... Folks, this has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his darkness. The Chiefs play Sunday at some time. Rihanna will be on stage in the middle of it. That's fun. Um, And hopefully the Chiefs emerge victorious and I get to go to the parade this time because I won't be hit by an atomic bomb of sickness. You're welcome. These are all the things that we're rooting for on Sunday. Uh, We we love you all. Go Chiefs. Chiefs. They're gonna, it's doing the no, it's gonna be like, oh, nope, you guys are gonna have to listen to Ryan. Sir, buy some time. Go join.